Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I've had an adventure, siblings. Oh. <laughs> Tell us to, more. To worst. <laughs> uh, for Justin and I have now been married 15 years. Wow. That is an I adventure. Know. Congratulations. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> that was oh, a okay. long, no. long adventure. <laughs> And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, how did you know you've reached the end? Uh, he took a good me, run. He took me to a beer hotel, and I thought, can't get better than this. There you go. <laughs> quit, quit while I'm ahead. We are now in the happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Uh, we went to this uh, Brew Dogs Beer Hotel in Columbus. Mm. I don't think it's called Beer Hotel, but in my head, it's called, it's beer, called hotel. beer Hotel. I think it in, might be though. <laughs> is it? I know it's Brew Dogs. It's like a brewery. And restaurant and beer museum oh. and a hotel. Wow, that's a so it's actually Brew Dogs Brewery, Restaurant, Beer Museum, Beer Hotel, <laughs> and Dog Park. <laughs> okay, are there dogs in the dog park? I mean, they don't. <laughs> they don't. They keep they, them there. <laughs> they don't provide dogs. Like you have to bring your BYOD. <laughs> Not BYOB, but no. it is BYOD. You, you yeah, please get, don't BYOB. You didn't get like a complimentary dog with your room. Like this is your room dog. So no, good, but, good boy that just chills with you while you drink beer. That would be awesome. No, but you can bring your own dog. Oh, and right. yeah, I don't have one, so I didn't right. bring one. I could bring my feral cat. <laughs> that would have been a weird energy. <laughs> In the dog park. <laughs> Hi, I brought this cat that I can't touch because it's terrified of humans. It's also, I'm certain, terrified of dogs. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> to lurk around the corners of your room to make you feel a little bit at home. Yeah. No, we got uh, a room that overlooked the... It's the room where they keep all the barrels <laughs> uh-huh. full of beer. Mm. So, like, I could look out my window and there's giant barrels of beer. Good view. And you dreamt about diving into them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get rooms with taps in them, mm-hmm. and rooms with the rooms have like a shower fridge with beer. It's perfect. Yes, obviously with beer that seems right <laughs> unnecessary to add. The restaurant's really good. It's all very nice. I would highly recommend it. It was such a it was such a beery good adventure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that was supposed to be a bad pun. They also, they do axe throwing there, too. Oh, that's a good combination of things. Yeah, that seems not the greatest idea. I thought, I had that moment where I was like, I've had a couple beers, time to throw an axe. (laughs) Oh, this is not good. (laughs) No. There's a a couple now axe throwing bars in New York that uh, I have not been to yet. I, I Sounds like something I do, but I haven't seeked them out yet. The one, I will say that, like, it's a very controlled experience. Like, they go over safety rules and stuff with you. And it's all caged in, like, a batting cage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, and you have your own lane. Yeah. It, w- it would be very different. I mean, I'm not saying you, <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like, there, I can't see anything ever going wrong. But, I mean, it's a very, like, safe, controlled experience. Yeah. And the, um, the people who sh- showed us how to do it, they, like, walk you through how to do it right and, like, coach you and give you tips so that otherwise it would be really frustrating. Because... Yeah. It, it is not a natural thing. When you walk over to do it, whatever you think you're going to do, it's not that. It, you have to learn how to do it yeah. if you want to even, like, get the axe to stick in the board, let alone hit a bullseye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I've done, I, I realize now that I've done axe throwing and 
ninja star throwing and knife throwing at the Renaissance Fair. They always have a booth that has those three things. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely not, you're not laned off. You're like maybe, you know, five, ten feet from the backboard. But that's not, it's not easy. I thought the hardest part would be throwing the axe. It's not. (laughs) It's getting it to do anything cool. It it really, it took a while. And they, um, but they were very patient. Uh, I was very frustrated because I assumed for some reason I thought, well, I'll be better at throwing an axe than Justin. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't. And that surprised and upset me. (laughs) And I kept, I kept trying to, um, they kept working with me to try to like perfect my stance. And apparently I throw it too hard. I don't know. You're too aggressive with the axe throwing. I am too aggressive. So it rotated too much. So it kept bouncing off. I don't know. I tried one-handed for a while. Um, they had to, they gave me special axe shoes because I was wearing <laughs> sandals, and they were like, "Well, you can't throw an axe in sandals." So you, they have like special axe shoes. Axe shoes, like bowling shoes. They were these little little black slide-ons. <laughs> they were very cute, but like you have to wear these axe shoes. And they had socks. They provided socks. It was all you know. And you have to keep the socks. So I got you know socks oh, cool. out of the deal. Well, but anyway, <laughs> I hit one bullseye, but Justin soundly beat me i mean well they they have a number of different like game games you mm-hmm. know that you can play to keep score and stuff and he completely destroyed me <laughs> i don't know do you, do you think that he's gotten in some practice down there when he's woodworking you know and he's <laughs> just <laughs> oh <laughs> sneaky got he understands <laughs> yeah understands the materials oh. <laughs> that's what it is i just assumed i was like well obviously if one of us, I mean, if you think about it. I'm like sure if, Justin was also surprised and upset by <laughs> you, your thought. Yeah, I like that you just came to this conclusion. Having never thrown an axe before, I'm I'm probably going to be good at it, though. <laughs> I seem like someone that should be. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you do. Yeah. Um, if it's anything to do with, like, electronics or computers or that kind of thing, <laughs> I would assume Justin would be better at it. But when it's like just like sheer brute force, throw axe at wood, I kind of figured that was my field. Apparently not. <laughs> I don't see. Know. I would I would have assumed like doctor stuff was your field, but sure. Yeah, all that <laughs> really too. sharp objects at the wall. <laughs> How are you at darts? Um, I'm not terrible. Is Justin better than you at darts? I would say we're pretty we're pretty equal. We have mm-hmm. played a lot more darts than we have thrown axes in our life, and um. I would say we're pretty equal. We both, you know, they're they're one of those games that you play in bars that like have that natural peak mm-hmm. where you have a couple drinks and you become amazing yeah. and then you, you have, have too one many. too many and now it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> now you're very bad at darts <laughs> or pool. Pool is like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get that sweet spot where you're like, I am the pool master. And then it's like, oh, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'd say we're pretty equal. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, that was my adventure. Well, I have nothing else to share. Congratulations on that many years of marriage. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. I was five when you got married, and I ruined your wedding by crying the whole time. (laughs) Oh, you didn't ruin it. (laughs) I felt very bad. It's just very funny. When you watch back your wedding video, you can just hear me loudly sobbing. Well, you thought I was going to leave forever after I got married. I thought Justin was taking you away. Yes. And no matter how many... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No matter how many times I tried to reassure you he wasn't, you kept thinking he was. And then we didn't help matters with we left for our honeymoon at you the know, end of the reception the, UK the day after. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was like, well, there she goes. We came back to Last mom and dad's house her. briefly to say goodbye and to see our cake smashed on the front porch <laughs> where right. dad dropped it. All over dad. Uh, dad. Dad smashed it all over himself on the front porch. It was not like a fun thing. <laughs> it's it's an accident. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was the red velvet layer, too. It was yeah. just everywhere. Yeah. It looked it was it, just too- <laughs> like there was murder on the front porch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just too many, too many drinks. He had already done the "I'm too sexy for my shirt" dance in front of everyone. Mom got in the fountain. Yeah, say, no one was ready to carry that cake. <laughs> great, great, great time. <laughs> great time. I, I didn't eat or drink anything. That's all I remember is at the end of the wedding, Justin and I were both like, "God, we're so hungry. Why there was so much food? Why didn't we get any?" <laughs> too busy getting married. We're just so busy getting married. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Speaking of love stories, oh, look at that! Yeah, that's a good transition. Yeah, uh, we're talking about Moulin Rouge this week. Ooh, Taylor, you you've chosen Moulin Rouge for us to discuss. Why why was this your pick? Uh, it well, it's a. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't it be? It's a it's a movie musical. <laughs> it's a jukebox musical from two thousand one by Baz Luhrmann. It is like eye candy, just like bright colors, beautiful costumes. Like cool dance routines, fun songs. It's just a visual feast, and that is very much up my alley. <laughs> Do you feel like I see? It's funny because of the like of the movies of that time period. I would have chosen like Romeo and Juliet as the one that was more culturally significant to me. Not necessarily better, just like the one that right. I latched onto. Do you feel like Moulin Rouge was that for you? I think so. Yeah. Um, cause I don't know. I mean, Romeo and Juliet was very, it, it, I mean, it's the same director and it had a, mm-hmm. a similar aesthetic, but I feel like Moulin Rouge was kind of take, turning it up to like the 10th degree. And it's also a fantasy to a certain degree. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not any less, I mean, it's, I guess it's somewhat less of a sad ending, but, uh, it's, uh, still just yeah. such a, just a like cartoon in live action. It, was, it really is. It was part of... Did you know that this is part of the Red Curtain trilogy? Yeah. I didn't know this. With uh, Strictly Ballroom. and they, Yeah, and Romeo and Juliet. And they each kind of centered around a different focus. So this was song and Strictly Ballroom was dance and I guess Romeo and Juliet is poetry. Theater. Theater. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that until I was looking into Moulin Rouge because I hadn't... I mean, I, lo- I love the movie. I've seen it. I hadn't really like researched <laughs> you know how when you love a movie you then do research on it i mean i do yeah i'm that person that if you're watching a movie with i'll be sitting there on my phone like oh we saw them in that movie oh, oh we also saw them in that tv show oh did you see that one they were in that one too do you know the same guy directed this one as you? i don't do that the only thing i do is like i'm currently reading every article that i can find about what's going to happen on loki <laughs> because i'm worried yeah, I'm so worried. into it, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm so invested that I like anything about like theories. I'm like, what do you think? Oh, I hope See, you're wrong. That is why I only watch shows that either all the episodes are already out, or I've already seen a thousand times. Mm. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, it's going to happen. Usually, I wait till the whole thing's done to watch it because even if I get like. If it's all there, even if I'm like halfway through and I'm just feeling too tense about it, I'll look up spoilers just so I know I'm not going in a bad direction. So mm-hmm. watching Loki as the episodes come out, which is what I'm doing right now, is very stressful for me. 
That is one advantage of seeing Moulin Rouge again, is that I already knew it was going to happen, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to worry about it. I know it's sad. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's one of those things where I think, like, as a young person, I was similar to Romeo and Juliet. I was probably like, oh, I know, and this is a spoiler. We're going to spoil Moulin Rouge if you haven't seen it. I mean, he <laughs> says in the years. first, like, minute of the movie, my love is dead. Yeah. Well, Satine is dead. <laughs> so she dies. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> But and like, I think when I watched it as a young person, I was like, what a romantic, beautiful, sweeping love story where one of the two people die. Yeah. And like now as an adult, I'm like, well, that's a total bummer. It's still a beautiful movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the, the brief outline of the plot for those that don't know uh, is there's a set in uh, Paris and what, what is this like the 1920s or earlier? No, it's the end of 1900s. the 1800s. Oh, that's right. It's the yeah. Because uh, 1899 into 1900. Because I believe Toulouse-Lautrec actually died in 1901 mm. so it would have been right before the end of that's what he said in the beginning it starts it's... in the summer of 1899 is that oh, okay. they talk about celebrating the end of the, se- end of the century the end of the century mm-hmm. yeah uh well there's a young writer christian who's new to, to the city and he falls in love with the star of the moulin rouge dance club and uh <laughs> dance club dance club Bro- brothel dance party Eventual theater. I don't know. It's a lot of things. It seems cabaret. Like. Sure. Yeah. Cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that there's there's like a rich guy that is also vying for her and trying to basically own her and a duke. Yeah, he's a duke. And uh, they eventually uh, love wins, but then unfortunately, uh, uh, Satine, the the young woman, is um. That's not <laughs> afflicted by uh, tuberculosis, and she she passes away at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most romantic of deaths, right? Yeah, that was. Um, I appreciated that uh, attention to detail because it really was the w- using her death from tuberculosis as this sort of beautiful romantic centerpiece was so typical for that time. Because it was thought of as the most romantic, the most romantic of deaths, mm-hmm. of of all the like uh, terrible chronic bacterial lung infections you could get, it was way up there. Yeah, you know, in terms of romance, right? And <laughs> so I like that they put that there. Yeah. Um, can I ask, just like as a small detail, that throughout the film, only like two people know that she's dying of tuberculosis. Um, mm-hmm. Henry Ziedler, like the the owner, and then. The woman who helps all the dancers, I don't quite know who... She's the, like, the madam of the... Okay. Yeah. Right? Okay. Isn't um, that her role? Sort of like the, the mother figure for all yeah. of the performers and dancers and sex workers that work at the Moulin Rouge. Okay. Um, but they, they're the only ones that know. And she's she's constantly giving Satine something, like oh, a powder. Yeah. What What is that? Because like at the very at the very end, they're doing that final perf- or on opening night. They're doing the performance of their show, and she's struggling backstage. And she says, "Here, just a little bit more," and like dumps some powder in her mouth. Oh, I think it was a liquid. I assumed it was like opium or, a liquid. Opium or something. At the time, it, I mean, laudanum, a form of opium, mm-hmm. would have been the most likely okay. thing. Like just not because it did anything, but because That's you what, felt yeah. better. Um, okay, and you know, any opiates would sense. suppress the cough, mm-hmm. so you might think it was doing something. Because mm-hmm. you don't cough as much. So I would say it was probably something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Entering slight sawbones territory. I was just curious the whole time. Like, what are they? 
What does she do? What are they doing? At one point, what she uses is straight up smelling salts yeah. just to revive just her. Just to wake her up. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think, but I think like, it, my guess is that she's giving her opium. Okay. That makes sense. That would have been very I mean, not in today's, but you know. No, <laughs> that is, we actually don't, um, <laughs> we don't treat tuberculosis with opium anymore. Mm. We have medicine that works. Right. That treats it. So that's good. Um. It's a, it's a shame the movie wasn't set now. Really? Because <laughs> <laughs> she would have just gone to a doctor, gotten an x-ray, gotten some medicine. <laughs> Much less uh, sweeping, perhaps. Right. <laughs> but I like endings where everybody lives. So The thing about yeah. this movie that resonated most with me, Tay, in terms of like from our youth to now, is as we were watching it, uh, now it occurred to me how many times I listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was definitely on heavy rotation. That CD was on heavy rotation in your car, mm. mom's car, mm-hmm. my car. I was actually. obsessed with it, and all of the songs, not just like everybody. I think when you think of Moulin Rouge, you think of Lady Marmalade. That's yeah. like the song that sort of because the music video came out and it was huge, and yeah, you know. It, that sort of typified the movie but like as i was watching like that whole freaking soundtrack i listened to yeah except for roxanne i used to skip roxanne a lot mm. oh, i got into that one it used to upset me when that came on like the, the whole big d- group mm. dance i don't maybe that's why i liked it it's like oh it's a big choreographed number <laughs> well it's a pretty number and like the the ewan mcgregor part over top of mm-hmm. i mean it's all a beautiful so arrangement but i think i found the I don't know. I found it a little too raw mm-hmm. yeah. to listen to on a CD. <laughs> <laughs> but but the uh, the Elephant Love medley was always was always my favorite mm-hmm. on the CD. I think that's oh yeah, that a standout for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. How <laughs> there there is a certain age of people who have that entire thing memorized and periodically are just you know kind of in their head doing it, right? <laughs> just like going through that like yeah um i did tell you all before we started that that version of lady marmalade that's christina aguilera um was the only one i thought existed for a long time because i've seen this movie i think once in my life some in my distant memory and for some reason that is the one song that i remember and also the only version of that song i thought existed I thought it was a Christina Aguilera song. <laughs> it, it, that was, it's so weird culturally, because when that came out, I mean, it's Christina Aguilera, but it's also Pink, it's Maya, Lil' Kim. Uh, yeah. And, and it was such a, a big deal that, wow, there's like four divas that are performing in the same song together, coexisting in the same space. Like, <laughs> so, so we were just so broken in our perception of women entertainers. Like, oh, wow, like, they're all going to fight probably, right? well and stories came out like that right because i remember and i don't know if any of this is true like some sort of story about like christina's manager coming in and being like what's the biggest part that's christina's that's the one she's gonna Mm -hmm. get i remember these like and i mean they may all be fake but there were there were like all these stories about them like fighting over the biggest role and all this and i mean you know who knows probably all of it was made up But yeah, the soundtrack is wonderful. Um, And I, you know, you called it a jukebox musical, which it is. And I hadn't even thought of it that way. But was, I mean, this was before, what, Mamma Mia, obviously. Like, what is, was this like one of the first, probably like definite jukebox musicals? I don't want to say the first, because I don't know. 
I certainly don't think movies were being made like this at right. the moment, like many of them. Yeah, because Mamma Mia was predates it on as like as a show, right? It's not a movie. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, I thought the musical. Well, never mind. But but as a but I mean you know I, I it was one of those like movie musicals go away mm-hmm. periodically and then everybody remembers like. We're all trying to be cool, but we're cheesy. We love, yeah. we love when people break out into song. <laughs> like, don't don't yeah. front. You love it. Everybody does. We all yeah. pretend like, well, it's a musical. Everybody went wild for La La Land. We love that stuff. We <laughs> love when it's like, well, it doesn't make sense, but I, oof, they sound so good. Yeah, <laughs> I do think it was it oh. was uh, one of the first successful like of this kind in a long time in the in movie format. Like, I do mm-hmm. think that hadn't been a thing i i read it there was another article about it it was talking about some of the other movie musicals that had flopped leading up to moulin rouge that it was kind of a bit of a reset Mm -hmm. for that you know yeah Mm -hmm. i guess it also strikes me as different because most other jukebox musicals that i'm culturally aware of and obviously i have no concept of time about when any of them existed um are like one artist Mm -hmm. or like one group i mean like mama mia is all abba or whatever you know um but this is obviously not. This is just like so, so many songs, mm-hmm. so many groups, and also so many different like genres and feels. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, I'm sure that took forever to get permission. Oh yeah, it was apparently held up for like like a year in just like licensing, getting all of those all the various songs. And there were there were some songs that were kind of built into it that ultimately they couldn't get, so they had to sub in other things. Oh, oh that's really interesting. I wonder what was in there they had to get rid of. I know. Find it. Um, I want to talk more about, about the music and the story itself. Uh, but before we do that, let's check the group message. Oh, it's that time of the week again where I get to tell my siblings about my pants. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> do you know why I love telling you about my pants? Why? Because it's really hard to get ready for a work day and know like I've got a long day ahead of me and I'm going to be really busy and on my feet all day and moving around. And then I've got, you know, maybe to get home and get the girls to stuff or get to meetings or maybe I'm going to go out to dinner later and I need pants that get me through the whole day. And beta brand dress pant yoga pants are exactly those pants. They are dress pants, so they look stylish. They look professional. You look put together. You don't look like you're wearing something as comfortable as you secretly are because they feel like yoga pants. They are functional. They're comfortable. They're inspire. They are as inspiring as, as your favorite workout gear, but they're not. They're dress pants, so you can, you know, have that little secret all day long. <laughs> they're wrinkle-resistant, stretch-knit fabric, Um Beta brand dress pant yoga pants, really, I've, I've been wearing them for a long time. They're perfect for, I mean, lots of different uh, genres of work, <laughs> but especially in my, in my doctor job, in my side gig, as it were, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> having, being able to move around and like, you know, get down and check out patients' feet if I need to and, and you know, whatever I need to do in my clothes and not have to worry about like, is this getting all wrinkly? Do I look less professional now? I, it's really a wonderful thing to just take that off my mind and know all day long I'm going to look great I'm going to feel great um, and I can't recommend Bad Brand Dress Paint Yoga Pants enough so Taylor if our listeners want to check them out what should they do right now our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering that's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering 
Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering for 25% off. So your favorite time of week is when you get to tell your siblings about your pants. I love getting to tell my siblings about my pits. Ooh. My armpits, that is. <laughs> and what goes in them. <laughs> um, what which, goes in your armpits, Well, Riley? let me tell you. We've told you before about natives legendary deodorant so you probably already know all about that we've talked about that a lot for a long time now here on here on still buff but did you know now they have body wash toothpaste and brand new mineral based sunscreen for you to use all over your body not just the pits well i did i got some of the body wash and i've been using that charlie got really jealous she's been using it Mm -hmm. too and it's wonderful yeah now natives got you covered other places uh and their newest addition is their broad-spectrum SPF 30 sunscreen for your face and body. It's lightweight, absorbs quickly, and you can choose between unscented or coconut and pineapple, mm. which sounds delightful because I don't know about you all, but I love summer scents uh, like sunscreen. So summer scents added to my sunscreen, that just puts me in the island time mindset. Um, <laughs> now you're tropical and protected from I'm, the sun. Yes, tropical and my skin is safe. But just like Charlie, I've been I've been also using their body wash. I have one of their summer scents, their surf and sea foam. Mm-hmm. Smells delightful. Um, and you can get their deodorant and body wash in other amazing scents like coconut, vanilla, citrus, and herbal musk, lavender, rose, and many more. So, Tay, if our listeners want to check out Native, what should they do? Stay fresh, stay clean with Native by going to nativedeo.com slash buffering. Or use promo code buffering at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash buffering. Or use promo code buffering at checkout for 20% off your first order. Uh, One thing I was reading about, like, the different inspirations for the movie is that um, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice... Mm -hmm was part of the inspiration which is why they chose to use modern songs because Orpheus was supposed to be so talented that his music was ahead of its time it felt like something from the future so they are literally using songs from the future throughout the interesting which is why, like, if you know in that context, the moment that he breaks into the hills are alive with the sound of music at the very beginning (laughs) (laughs) makes a lot more sense (laughs) because at first you're just like who is this guy that they're saying wrote Sound of Music? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's right. Oh, okay. He's ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Apparently the Rolling Stones, just to get back to... Father that oh. I couldn't figure out what those songs... Uh, the Rolling Stones refused to have any of their music in it. And Cat Stevens' father and son was what the opening was built around. So they had to rewrite huh. the opening completely to have a different... Wow. Scene. Interesting. And it took him two and a half years to secure the rights. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. There's a lot of songs in there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, it's a lot of good music. I, I, I read that um, this was very interesting. We were looking at people who auditioned for roles or were considered for roles and then didn't get them. Um, Courtney Love auditioned for the lead, Satine, mm-hmm. and didn't get it, of course, because Nicole Kidman played it. So you probably already knew that. But um, <laughs> what <laughs> allowed them to use smells like Teen Spirit in the movie anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, who who did you say had auditioned for Christian? Uh, for Christian, I know Leo did Leonardo DiCaprio, which I assume was because he was in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and so Baz Luhrmann considered him for this. Yeah, too. but apparently he couldn't sing. 
and he he that was is that, that right? Was his take on it was that he couldn't sing as well, so that's why. He, I didn't know that was my guess was maybe it was a singing thing. Yeah. Um, not I mean, that Ewan McGregor isn't great, but like it's Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Why would he, why was he passed over? Well, especially if it's supposed to be in the same sort of like trilogy of movies as Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that would have been kind of a bummer though. Cause it's like, wait, did Jack live? And now he's over here wooing some girl in Paris. <laughs> in France. <laughs> How to get there. Rose is waiting for you, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was a, oh, there was somebody else of note that auditioned for that role. Oh, I'll think of it before this is over. Um, I wondered, uh, I, I, I had to imagine Ewan McGregor's singing ability was part of, I mean, again, not that he isn't a great actor, but like, he is a good singer. Mm -hmm. He's a very good singer. And I, I feel like they did the thing. I think I have thought this about Mamma Mia before the movie, Mm -hmm. um, they did the thing where they cast people who could sing but aren't professional singers. And I feel like that adds this sort of earnestness to the characters and mm-hmm. like realism that is kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. When like there are moments where you know like somebody who is trained and has spent their entire life singing would probably sound a little better at that note or that whatever. Um, but instead the, the actors doing it and it, it feels more real. Yeah. I don't know. That was, that was sort of my feeling on it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt that with Nicole Kidman too. Like I, I think I love her voice in this movie. I think it's beautiful, but it doesn't sound, it's not a professional voice. I feel Mm -hmm. like it sounds Mm -hmm. very much in character with the role she's playing and like they kind of wrote around her range. Yeah. Yeah. It does make them feel more in character. I mean, he's a writer. He wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't necessarily be this trained singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a performer, but she's not a... Well, I guess she sings in her performances, but not like a, you know, classical, professional way. Um, so I do think it adds to putting um, you in the scene. Jake Gyllenhaal. That's who it was. Oh. oh I could see that. Interesting. I know. I, I mean, and th- that's all I can imagine is, I mean... I don't know. Maybe it just came down to... Maybe they had a sing-off. Can you imagine that moment? <laughs> Ewan McGregor versus they, Jake Gyllenhaal. And Leonardo and DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> all three on stage having to like sing. Like it's a high school audition for like the musical. And they like had Nicole Kidman come up and like stand with each one. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know it's Nicole. Hmm. But we can't decide. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, Leo, or Ewan. Let's have you all come out here and let's check out your chemistry. <laughs> it is really hard for me to imagine anyone else other than Nicole Kidman in that role. She's so perfect in this role. She's, I know. I, mm-hmm. I love her so much in this movie. That scene, the scene where uh, they're in the elephant and she's trying to dis- d- distract the Duke from Christian's presence in the room. So she's just doing uh-huh. this whole like going back and forth of being like super sexy to like completely like this is just looney tunes straight up like yeah silliness and it's like she's just living in every moment of that i love that scene yeah. so much the it's, the like right before when she thinks christian is the duke and he's talking about poetry and she thinks this is like his way of like seduction so she's trying to be all sexy uh, and is rolling around on the ground wrapping herself up in the rug <laughs> That the, I was rolling in tears. Oh my gosh! The farce of that whole scene is really well done. I was yeah. impressed watching it again. Like when when <laughs> when he starts 
saying like she's like come lay down and he's like i prefer to stand and she's like oh okay and he's like no but you sit okay (laughs) Uh, what i do is really quite modern okay (laughs) like the whole thing is very it's it's really well done yeah yeah i uh i was impressed with how funny some bits of it are and and how she leans into that she does well with that yeah um so she does doesn't just seem like swooning and you know right swooning and sultry as yeah. the two modes like it's not just that for the character yeah um but the uh the big scene at the end with come what may that i feel like it should i have seen this movie repeatedly and it should not still affect me that scene you know what i mean like when they're in the show and they're all singing and they have the big finale, like it should not still be that impactful. And it really is, which is impressive. I cried. Mm. You cried. I huh? cried. Oh, I don't know. I just like, again, I obviously know she dies and like the song is in the movie before then. So it's not like it's like a shock of like, Oh, this song. So it just, I, I don't know. It hit me. Just really gotcha. It really got me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's doing everything it can to get you to be fair. Like, there is yeah. beautiful visuals, uh, you know, the swell of the song and the chorus, two lovers crying at each other. <laughs> it's doing everything it can. That last minute of Spectacular Spectacular, where they have, like, the big, colorful, like, heart-shaped backdrop, and they're mm-hmm. lifting them up, and they have, like, the colorful lights and confetti or whatever is going on. Like, it was just, like, so much. It was so pretty. Yeah. It looked like, like, a, like a painting. It didn't look like actually moving parts. Yes. Well, I think that's the, the aesthetics of the film, I think, were the thing that's most impactful for me, because that's very much, like, I'm not... I'm not for one for restraint with color or detail in any mm-hmm. of my work. So this is like every scene in this movie is just like, just pause it and just look at the screen. <laughs> There's so much happening. There were moments where this struck me as similar to like a Wes Anderson movie, like the shooting of like how some of the movements and some of the clips are almost like very quick and jerking between like two different scenes. Yeah, the or cuts the are very fast. Characters' movements or like the way they talk to each other where sometimes it almost looks like they're like lip syncing their own voices, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks very like cartoonish, but real life. And then those bright colors and those scenes where it looks like a picture, it doesn't look like actually people in it mm-hmm. struck me as very Wes Anderson, which I also enjoy those movies. I know it's not, but I wonder if they draw inspiration similar. from each other, mm-hmm. you know? Um, which again, I don't know. I always feel like this cause to like our own turn of the century sort of aesthetic, um, where these movies sort of live and where Moulin Rouge takes place at the turn of a different century. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, 2001, it was, there's a lot of hope. I think when you, (laughs) when you enter into a new, a new, Mm -hmm. you know, century decade it's like oh fresh start and i feel like there's a lot of hope in this movie i i had that thought like god would it would it hit me the same now would it even get made now because it's so like just love and freedom and beauty <laughs> it's like yeah truth yeah and the decade it's a little bit rent too right it wasn't it was partially inspired by lava yeah. well, well that makes so, sense yeah i mean you can't and like you have to read that into it yeah. with the I've moved to Paris to be poor. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I moved to Paris to live with a bunch of people in a loft and be poor together. Yes. <laughs> it's rent. It's rent. <laughs> yeah. 
just, um, just sub New York with with Paris. It does make me wonder though how I haven't the musical just premiered like shortly before everything got shut down. Um, I I never saw it, but it makes me wonder how similar and how much the same or how different it is that it is almost being like remade today. Mm-hmm. I know it's you know still the same story and everything, but it, it makes me wonder how much of it has changed for a modern audience. I, would, I don't know. I mean, assuming that you could translate all the rights, I don't know how that... Right. I, I imagine that's a whole other process yeah. to get the rights for the songs again this for this new media. Yeah. The musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that's a whole thing, but assuming you could, I don't know why. There's so many great songs, especially that ending number, that yeah. I feel like, why touch? Oh, yeah. Why, why, why change a thing? Well, and so much of it looks like it's just out of a musical. I mean, yes. the big dance numbers from the beginning to Roxanne and the end. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. looks like it's just made to be on a stage. It doesn't seem like that much of it yeah. would even you want to change. Um, Apparently, there, there are other songs in the, uh, in the musical. Ooh, there are other... Really? Yeah. Like, more jukebox styles. Like, not, not right. original songs. Other pop songs. But Interesting. It is it is cool though because um it's sort of that uh at the turn of the century instead of that you have all this sort of like people partying which can so often be associated with like the decadence that we're saying goodbye to which is like the theme of so many of those sorts of stories cuz they're all like drunk and you know on absinthe mm-hmm. and <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all they're all partying, and it's supposed to be this sort of like, can you believe how decadent all this is? But instead, it's really presented as like, this is the new world. It's yeah. full of love. It's full of beauty and acceptance, and this like, it's okay. Everything we're doing right now is okay because we love each other, and we're doing it in the spirit of truth and beauty, and mm-hmm. on you know, and all that kind of stuff. Which is a, a real, it is a really hopeful yeah. kind of message, even though it does still. And really sad with him and his sad hat and typewriter. <laughs> sad hat. I'm going to put on my sad hat and write. <laughs> sad hat. The sad beard he's grown. Yeah. He's got the sad beard and the sad hat. And his, I mean, his typewriter shouldn't be sad, but now it feels sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, there is something to be, uh, the, the fact that he finds his motivation to be a writer at the sacrifice of, uh, you know, the woman is a little bit of a, of a woman in a refrigerator moment, I, I think it's yes. worth noting. Um, this is true. I will say I do love I do love a movie where the story being told is like the story that it ends with, like Little Women. You yeah, know, like it's you like that. It ends with Joe writing Little Women, and that's the story. Like I do like that. Like oh, okay, it's his story. That's why, because mm. then you understand. Like we're seeing this through his lens. This is his version it's his story of what has happened like which, edward scissorhands sure yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> uh i this movie also made me fascinated with absinthe for a while do you think it was gonna make a fairy start singing the sound of music <laughs> kylie minogue a little here before you <laughs> exactly i thought a little green kylie minogue would show up and everything would get really uh, colorful and magical and uh-huh. and musical, but that is not what happened the first time I drank absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like regular drunk. Yeah, 
might be a little worse, I mean, I don't know. Actually. Taylor, maybe you've had a different experience, but I mean, in my in my limited experience with absinthe, it was like, well, that was just booze. No, no, there's no, that's been disproven. There's no hallucinogenic properties to absinthe. Uh, but it is very alcoholic and, uh, you know, <laughs> usually served with a lot of sugar, so it can be a, a bad hangover. You know, that, that part was originally they considered not having Kylie Minogue, but having like a different representation of the Green Fairy that was like a big, muscly beard guy, and it's going to be voiced by Ozzy Osbourne. Really? Oh my gosh. And I, I can see for the commercial appeal of having Kylie Minogue in there, but I kind of wish we would have gotten big, like, metalhead Green Fairy, because I think that's my, my more my experience with Absinthe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say that was definitely more the trip that I took. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just like, oh, I just 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 beaten with absinthe. The uh, the first time I, I ever tried absinthe, I was in Prague because it was still illegal in the US at the time. Do you remember that? You couldn't get absinthe in the yeah, US? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's fairly recent. I mean, in the last like two decades, maybe, but mm-hmm. I think it's only in the 2000s it's been legalized. My uh, my friends and I thought we were being quite bad. Right. And when they bring you the absinthe and it's like, here's a sugar cube and a spoon and a lighter and a glass of absinthe. And you're looking at this on the table going, I don't know what I got. Because <laughs> I didn't know how to drink. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I like I think my reference was probably Moulin Rouge. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I am what? <laughs> we're all just sitting there looking at it. And the very frustrated bartender is like, <sighs> probably like <sighs> Americans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and showed us how to do it. And it was like, Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, you're putting it into solution. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> the, uh, the whole combination of like high octane spirit plus open flame is really the, uh, <laughs> really not a great combination for, for young, like would be underage tourists, I think, but you know that is the indoctrination most people get. Yes, because I I don't I I mean I think it would have been uh, much more romantic, which I imagine is what they had in Moulin Rouge, which was one of those like dripper things that slowly drips it down over the sugar cube and mm-hmm. dissolves slowly over the spoon and the lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but it worked. Yeah, and that was that. Anyway, there's no green fairy. No. <laughs> That's the point. Um. The only the only question I had watching this movie was towards the end when it's it's opening night and Christian has shown up to, you know, be heartbroken. Yes. Um and <laughs> he's shown up to be heartbroken. I mean that's that's kinda what he did. <laughs> um That is such a that is such a boy in a movie, especially like in the nineties, into the two thousands move. I've shown up to be heartbroken. He's shown up to run. mess with Satine's opening night to make it all about how sad he I is. Have an I am making it about me. Yeah. But the the Duke's bodyguard or whoever is yeah. back there and the Duke sees him and is like, Okay, kill him. He's here. I'm watching it the whole time like what was his plan he has told this guy to murder this man in front of an audience of like hundreds of people and a cast of another like hundred it's a big cast like a hundred people in there what what is his next move here he's a dude yeah, get away with it. I, but w- of where of, <laughs> of the of, Moulin Rouge of Paris Somewhere. I don't know <laughs> what power does he there have a lot of random royalty running around back then you know just some random land claim 
I mean, I he just was wondering, like, so, what is he going to do? Because then the Duke tries to kill him, too. It's like, what is your plan, bud? He's a Duke, but he's probably from the UK, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that our thought? Like, he's not French. Well, he doesn't have a French well, accent, does he? No. No, no one. But nobody. No, no one does. does. <laughs> I don't know. They're all kind of British. <laughs> well, Ewan McGregor just sounds like Ewan McGregor. Well, yeah. And he says that he came from London. Yes. But Nicole Kidman, I, I thought we were to assume, was French. Her name, well, her we name is I mean, Satine. I, well, we, we think. I mean, who, she might just I go by Satine. But she also is kind of British at times. <laughs> Sometimes the Australian comes through. Yeah. I don't know what anyone Which is, is no shade. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I don't know. It's a fantasy. Yeah. I The Duke is, my take is that he was like a British Duke. <laughs> but like all of them were related back then, right? Like weren't all the, the all the royalty from all the yeah. places yeah. were all sort of connected yeah. <laughs> kind of family um my... it's about family see <laughs> this is the fast and furious <laughs> <Moulin Rouge. laughs> it's all about family my <laughs> theory is that the duke of wesselton oh. was based on this duke i could see that and is maybe the same duke frozen was probably around that time right and set around that time i don't know yeah, they. I don't know. That's, they both have the same mustache. Yeah, they are similar characters. That is true. Yeah. Well, there we go. We <laughs> cracked it wide open. <laughs> you knew Disney was up in this. He is the Duke of Wesselton. <laughs> that is what he's the Duke of. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> my my only reference for a Duke right now is Bridgerton, and that's a different. That's different. That's a different Duke. I I usually do not like uh, bad guys in movies. I don't know. I. I like good guys, but I love the Duke in this movie. I yeah. think he's the right blend of like, he's a bad dude, but like, he's also so like, he's not a very, he's not very sharp. Like he's kind of a cartoon character mm-hmm. himself. He's just like, you know, like mm-hmm. a, just a, a bad guy from a cartoon, which is, which is enjoyable because he's very funny too. The actor does a good yeah. job. Yeah. Well, it was, I, I say all in all, it was enjoyable to watch again because it'd been a while. Um, yeah. Not one that the kids are ready no. for, but sure. But I did enjoy it, and I'm I'm glad that you suggested we watch it. Yeah. Well, thank you for watching it. <laughs> well, of course. Thank you for reintroducing me to it. It had been so long. Yeah. It was so enjoyable. I am going to listen to the soundtrack more now. Me too. Now that I've thought about it again, I had it and check out the musical soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I'm really curious. I, I I don't know the full extent, but I saw that they were talking about getting like torn <laughs> in there. Oh my All god! Right. <laughs> I gotta come visit you today so you can see me one Rouge the no, musical. I, I know down. it opens back up in September. Okay, we got some time. We're there. Yeah. We're there. It's a plan. All right, Riley. What's next? So, speaking of um, modern music, I want to talk about Harry Styles. Ooh! I don't know how I have yet to talk about Harry Styles. He's also connected to Taylor Swift, of course, um, but also he just makes great music and. Seems to be a very important cultural moment for for uh, Gen Z for for the Gen Z youths. Uh, the well, experience. Let's, yeah. let's talk about this important cultural moment well, that is a human. He named came Harry from, Styles. He came from a boy band, and now he's just a boy. <laughs> and he is. There was a, a moment. Boy. <laughs> 
Who was named Harry Styles? <laughs> he'd be great, by the way. Oh, he'd be great as Christian. In this. Very, yes. Very much a boy with emotion with an emotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He would be great as Christian. Yeah. Just throwing Anyways, that out there. Um, okay. But yeah, Harry Styles' Fine Line was his most recent album, so we'll talk about talk about that. Maybe All a little right. bit of One Direction too, but because he was in that. Oh, I know that. Just making sure. I know these things. <laughs> I I appreciate Harry Styles. Um, well, thank you, Tay. Thank you. Thank you, Tay. Thank you, listeners. Um, I hope if you haven't watched Moulin Rouge, what are you even what are doing? You doing like go watch it, get that soundtrack. Um, Thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts that are there. Um, you can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org for thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments or topics or anything. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am Still Buffering. And I am too. I think it's just the part where he goes, Roxanne. I love that part. It's that part. I think it's just, I get into I it. it scared me when I was young. Well, it's very dark. It's very growly. Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.